Welcome, everyone. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Welcome, Smyrna Campus. We love you guys. Everybody connecting with us online, we're so happy you've connected there. Even though I'm out of town, we are launching a new series today called Be Encouraged. I have to tell you how I decided on that title. It has something to do with the subject matter, of course, from 2 Corinthians, the letter that Paul wrote to the church there. But I got that phrase, Be Encouraged, from my good friend and Lake Shore member, Ricky Denning. For years now, Ricky, after each service he attended, would come uh, before COVID, he would come into the pastor's parlor where I would be, and he would give me a handshake and a hug, and he'd say, be encouraged, pastor, be encouraged. And even since COVID, on his way out, he still continues to encourage me each time that he's here. We all need that, don't we? That encouragement. And the Corinthian church really needed that too. Paul had written one letter before this to the church where he had to be pretty hardcore with them. There were a lot of things going on in that church that didn't need to be going on. And he had to correct and discipline uh, and even scold them in some ways for the activity that was happening within the church family. But since that time, they had made changes and there was improvement. And now Paul writes this second letter to commend them for the progress that they had made and to encourage them to stay faithful and true to God's call in their lives. We're so happy today to have Mike Swartz, our campus pastor for our Smyrna campus, to bring us our first lesson in this 13-week series today. Thanks again for joining us. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Um, welcome to our Smyrna campus, and uh, welcome to uh, anyone watching online. If you're watching online, thank you so much for joining us. We're, we're honored that you decided to spend some time with you. Um, so Randy asked me to come here and, and, and talk to you guys today and kick off this series, and I wanted you to make, make you feel as comfortable as possible and try to do as much like him. So he always uses his computer. So I, I grabbed, I got my computer and I hope that's okay. I'm going to bring it out. I got my... And um, hang on, I got to turn it on though. Okay, hang on. Hang on. Just, just give it a second, okay? Hang on, hang on. I got to put in the password. It's, just, just give it a second. Oh, okay, so we're going to have to go old school. Is that okay with you guys? Is everybody cool? All right, we're, we're, gonna, we're just going to go old school, and we're just going to do it old school, and I got pen and paper. I hope that's all right. So, um, so, uh, <laughs> that was so stupid. <laughs> oh, this is dumb. Uh, so, th again, thank you for joining us. Um, today, we're, we get to start a new series called Be Encouraged. And, and, and we're going to be talking about this all summer. Uh, this is based on a book by a guy named Bob Russell um, uh, called Take Comfort. And so if you've not got that book, it's a really good one. And um, definitely recommend you read that uh, throughout this series. But it's called Take Comfort by Bob Russell. And I have to be honest with you guys, and I want to start out and just be completely honest. I kind of have a confession. I am the world's worst encourager. And you can ask my wife about this. Um, I am just not a good encourager. Uh, my wife, about 10 years ago, like ran this marathon. And, and, and you know, most husbands would have been like super encouraging. Like, you go. And like, she got up at like 5 in the morning every Saturday and went and ran miles and miles. And, you know, most husbands, most of you would have probably been like, yay, honey. And I was like, why are you doing that? Like, what, what are you doing? Like, it's, I'm going back to bed. Like, leave me alone, you know? And, and I, I just have never been a, a great encourager. And um, even I worked here for 17 years. I was the middle school pastor um, at Lakeshore. And 
part of my job was encouraging students. And to be honest, sometimes it was a little hard to do that. And I remember we would go to camps and at midnight, there was always this, can we talk? And in my head, I'm like, no, it's midnight. Somebody down there wants to talk, not me. I never did that, but I really wanted to. <laughs> um, but some of you are way better at encouraging, and that, that's, that's awesome because uh, we need people like that. Some of us have to work a little harder at it. Um, so when Randy asked me to kick this off, I was like, well, this will be fun. This will be fun. I, gotta learn, I, gotta, I get to learn some things with you uh, today. Uh, but like Randy said, for the next few weeks, we're going to be spending some time in 2 Corinthians. Um, this book is full of encouragement. Paul wrote this book, and it's full of encouragement. He is encouraging the Corinthian church. Uh, for, First Corinthians was written to the Corinthian church, and that book was, Paul was kind of getting on their case a little bit. Uh, the Corinthian church had had a lot of problems. Uh, they had division. There was some immorality. Uh, there was some dishonesty. There was a lot of selfishness. And it got so bad that Paul himself went to the church. He went to Corinth, and he uh, had to visit there and had a really hard visit with them. And then it got even worse, and he sent uh, another guy named Titus there. But the good news is, is they got their act together. Uh, they started working together. They, they, but they were a really troubled and hurting people. They were really hurting. They were really troubled. They, you know, when you just get beat down like that. And now what he, uh, Paul is doing is he's sending this letter of 2 Corinthians as an encouragement to them. He's telling them uh, just how proud he is of them and how, how the, the amazing things that God has done. And so the Corinthian church at this point, you need to understand, was very beat down. They were kind of at a, low, a very low spot. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Um, just kind of beat down and, and, and like life can't get any worse. Maybe your job's not going the way you think it should. Maybe you've got some family issues. Maybe there's something else going. Maybe it's a money struggle. But, but life sometimes beats us down, and that's what the Corinthian, the Corinthian church was going through. And so, so um, before, earlier in the service, we, we, heard, we read these 11 verses, and from those verses, what I want to do today is just give you four truths um, for when life tears us down. When life tears us down and pulls us down and we feel like we can't do anything else, here's four truths that we can, that we, that, uh, we can, we can learn. And the first thing, and uh, if you want to write this down, is that hardships are a part of every life. You cannot escape hardships. You can't get out of it. It's not going to happen. No matter what we do, we're going to have trouble. The two greatest human needs met by God are forgiveness and comfort. And everyone sins, and so we need grace. So God gives us his forgiveness through grace, and he forgives us because we sin and we mess up, and everyone messes, that, messes up. But also everyone suffers, and we all need God's peace. Every one of us is going to suffer. And the world is trying to convince us that you don't need to suffer and that, that, that we should never have to hurt. And a lot of times we don't want our kids to hurt. If you've got children, I've got three boys, and I don't, I don't want them to hurt. I don't want them to go through hardships. But a lot of us have the idea that I, I just don't want my kids to hurt. I don't want them to experience disappointment or hard work or all these things that, that make life hard. And we try to shield them from unpleasant experiences, and we use excuses like, well, I just don't want them to have it as bad as I did. 
or I, I just I don't want them to hurt. And then when life gets difficult, what happens is, is they bail out or we bail out. And we have a substance abuse problem in our society because a lot of people are looking for a way to escape suffering. And so they look to chemicals to, to get rid of that suffering. And, and, and those are the things that, that, that don't work. And people have pressure from their job, their marriage, their family, and they're just looking for a way out. And so we start to look for all these different ways that can help us get out of all this, this suffering that we're going through. And then sometimes churches have even taken this a step farther. Churches have taken this a step farther, and there's a theology that goes with that philosophy called the health and wealth gospel. And I don't know if you've heard of this or not, but it's, very, it's where churches and pastors will tell you that if you just confess all of your sins and you dedicate your life to God and you always be happy and you're always going to be happy and healthy, and if you just give enough money to the church, then you're always going to be happy and everything's going to be great if you just do these things. And there's going to be no problems. That's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible says nothing about that. The, the Bible says, in fact, from the very beginning in Genesis, from the very beginning of the Bible, th th it talks about suffering. We're going to suffer. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, Adam and Eve uh, were kicked out of the garden. And, and from the very beginning, that's, that's when the suffering started. Uh, when it says in, in, in Genesis that there's going to be hardships. And it says that women will have pain in childbirth. Okay? I've never had a baby. I've never given birth to a child. It doesn't look fun. I've heard it's not comfortable even with drugs. Okay? But it's, 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 it's a hard, I mean, it's something, it's, it's suffering. Um, also, he, he told Adam in, in, uh, that he would have trouble providing food for his family. And that, that it's going to be hard. Farming is going to be hard. If you've, I, grew, I grew up working on a farm. It was a cattle farm. And it, it's not easy at all. You all will probably have lunch today at some point. You'll eat at some point, And you're going to have that because somebody has suffered. Because somebody has, has toiled through, even with modern machinery and modern techniques, it's still hard. We're going to suffer. And so hardships are a part of life, and we just have to, we, we have to know that. Um, and it, we need to understand that no one is exempt from this. In fact, Paul gives us two examples um, in these verses. In verse 5, he the first one is Jesus. In verse 5, he says, says this, For just as we, we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ... So also our comfort abounds through Christ. See, Jesus suffered too. This wasn't just a, just because he was the son of God doesn't mean that he got out of pain. Um, Jesus was perfect, but he was rejected. He was criticized. He knew what grief was. And he still suffered, even though he was perfect. And so how could we even think that we can get out of suffering if the Son of God still had to suffer. So Paul talks about Jesus and about how, how he suffered and he went through a lot of things and we know what he went through on the cross. And the other example that Paul gives us was himself in verse eight, he says, we do not want you to be uniform, uh, uninformed, sorry, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. We tend to think that stress is a 21st century thing. And we probably will never go through some of the pain and suffering that Paul went through. See, Paul went through a lot. Um, he worked part-time to support his ministry. 
Um, he had some physical ailments. He was lonely. He was tired from constantly traveling. He was thrown in jail multiple times. He had multiple shipwrecks. Like, I would never get on a boat if I were Paul. Like, that just wouldn't happen. All right? <laughs> he kept running into stuff. And um, he even had a contract out for, on his life. Somebody was trying to kill him. I don't think that any of us here at home have a contract out for our life. That's not to say that, that what you're going through doesn't mean anything, but understand that Paul knew what you were going through. He knew what suffering was. There's pr he had pressure. That's pressure. So if Jesus suffered and Paul suffered, guess what? We're going to suffer. It's going to happen. And he, Peter actually, um, and there's a good ch chance that things are always going to turn out the way we want it. So Peter talks about this in 1 Peter 4.12. He says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on, on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Peter says, don't be surprised when we have things that happen to us, when we go through suffering, when we have hardships. We all will have trouble. But the great thing about it is we're not alone. We're not in this alone. We are not in this thing alone. We have people around us who are going through the same thing. And Jesus, the Son of God, understands our suffering. And so the second truth that, that we can get from these verses is that hardships provide an opportunity to receive God's comfort. So our gut reaction, a lot of times, is just to rely on ourselves. Here's the thing, when we rely on ourselves, we're gonna fail. We're gonna mess it up every time. And a lot of times if we think, well, if I can just make enough money or buy enough insurance or have enough education, then I won't have to depend on God. Or, if, or we'll think, you know, if I just know enough people, belong to the right organizations, and if I have enough relationships, then I won't have to be a part, and I won't need church, and I won't have to be a part of that. And the mindset in our culture is to rely on yourself. But Paul said this he, in verse 9. He says, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who, raised the, who raises the dead. That we might not rely on ourselves, but God. See, we're not designed to rely on ourselves. That's not how God designed us. He, relied, he, he designed us to rely on him and a savior. Now, God occasionally permits hardships to, in life to knock us to our knees, to remind us that apart from him, we are nothing. And sometimes that happens. There's, that, that, that's where there's hardships. God is not sitting there with a magnifying glass just waiting for you to mess up so he can, and he doesn't find joy in that. But sometimes he permits things to happen so that we can rely on him. Um, this September, it's going to be 20 years since the 9-11 attacks. And um, some of you, you know, may be too young to remember that. I remember I was in college at, at the time uh, in chapel uh, when, when it happened and we found out about that. And, you know, it, it was a tragic time for our country. Um, and I remember that week, you know, there was a lot of pain and there's a lot of questioning and a lot of, you know, just, just asking why. And it was tragic. And, and what, what happened that week was that churches started to open up their doors and have prayer services. I remember at the school I went to, we had a special prayer service. The president even had a national day of prayer that week. And that Sunday, 
that people just came to the church because there was, and I remember this because it was actually the first, the Sunday I interviewed at Lakeshore. Um, so that's, that's when I said that the first time I'd ever been to Lakeshore was that Sunday. And um, I remember just people showed up and the reason they showed up is they went to church because they needed comfort. They, they, they didn't know who to turn to and, and the church was there and God was there. And sometimes our hardships provide that opportunity to receive God's comfort. That's where we need to go to receive that comfort. So when suffering comes, you need to understand that it's important that we turn to God and not away from him. A lot of times what we do is, is we, try, we, we, we try to just distance ourselves from God. We need to rely on God and not resist him. When there's pain in our life, there's a temptation to withdraw from God. That's kind of our first inclination is just to, well, I'm just going to step away from the church for a while because I'm going through this and this thing is going on in my life and things are going good at home. So I'm just going to stop going to church for a while. I'm just going to stop going to my Bible study, to my life group for a while, just, just to kind of relax and get away. And the truth is the exact opposite should happen. The exact opposite should, should, should happen. Because here's the thing, when we start to blame God and we get angry at him, it only intensifies the pain that we have. And as tough as it is sometimes, the closer that you move to God, the less that it's going to hurt. And that's tough because sometimes we blame him for things and we're upset and we're angry, but the less it hurts. And like I said before, we, we kind of sometimes think that God is just waiting for us to screw up so he can hit us with that, that magnifying glass and like burn us with a little magnifying like a kid with, with ants, you know? But when hardships happen, we need to draw closer to receive his comfort. That's what we need to do. We need to get closer to him to get that comfort that we need. So the third truth is that hardships equip us to comfort others. Excuse me. Hardships equip us to comfort others. We're not here just to receive comfort. That, that we, we also need to give it. It's great that we get God's comfort, that, that he wants us to have that. We need to have that. We need to take it. But we're supposed to be comforting others also. In verse 4, he says this, says, Who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God? He's telling us we need to be comforting to others. We need to be giving comfort to other people. Sometimes when we experience hurt in a certain way, it helps us to comfort others who are going through the same thing. We've all experienced hurt. We just talked about that. Sometimes that hurt will help you to comfort other people and help you to more effectively minister to other people. Um, you're more compassionate to what's going on when you've been through it. Um, maybe you have a child uh, with special needs. Maybe you've battled depression. You can identify with someone who's done that. Maybe you have had a family member who has sick and, and passed away. Maybe you've lost a spouse. If you, when you've gone through those things, you, you understand when other people are going through it. And so we, we need to take those hardships and comfort others. Um, so 18 years ago, I went, to the, I went to the doctor just to have like a normal checkup. And um, the doctor diagnosed me with type 1 diabetes, um, which is, if you don't know what that is, it's this really fun disease where I get to take insulin and I can't eat cake. 
all right? That's, it's a lot of fun, okay? Um, uh, I do anyway sometimes. But, uh, but it's, it's, it's usually, and here's the, here's the interesting thing about it. I was kind of diagnosed kind of late in life. I was in my 20s. Um, but most people find out when they're in middle school. And it just so happened at the time, I was a middle school pastor. And what's amazing is over the next few years, I was able to, there were, and it didn't happen a lot, but we, uh, there, it, it seemed that every so often I, we would run into someone at a camp or a, a student at a camp who, who had just been diagnosed. And, and they were having to deal with, you know, insulin and taking shots and, and, you know, all these different things and the way, the things they ate and they had to be really careful and, and pricking their finger and all that stuff. And it helped me to be able to more effectively minister to those kids and their families because their families, I mean, that's a scary thing for a parent to send your kid to a camp and, and, and to have this new disease. So I was able to more effectively minister to a few families because I understood what they were going through. And every one of us has something like that. You understand what people are going through. So whatever your hardship or struggle you're going through, try and think of how you can use it to help others. You know, no one understands alcoholism like, like an alcoholic. No one understands a cancer like someone who's been, cancer like someone who's been through it or the agony of a divorce. And so we need, we, here's the thing. God allows us to suffer so that we can comfort others who are going through a similar experience. We just have to act on those things. Uh, in verse 3, Paul gives a praise to the father of compassion and comfort. Now there's a difference between compassion and comfort. You can be compassionate but not comfort, comforting. Okay? Um, you, you, you have to have compassion yeah, I mean, so you, you can have compassion for someone, but be no help to them. Feeling, compassion is like feeling bad for someone, but comfort is actually doing something. And comfort puts compassion into to action. James 2 talks about this in verse 15. It says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and, warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? And in the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action. It is dead. So compassion without comfort is dead too. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, we need to take action. It's not enough just to have compassion on people. We need to comfort them as well. So whatever you've gone through, God is calling you to comfort someone, to actually take action. He doesn't want us just feeling bad for people. So if you've experienced hurt, maybe you're experiencing hurt right now, and maybe you don't understand why. Maybe you don't understand why you're going through the things you're going through. And one day, God is going to use that hurt to comfort someone else, but you have to look for it, and you have to take action on it. So the fourth truth is this, and I'm going to close with this, is, is that hardships enable us to testify our faith. So when we have hardships... Um, if you're a Christ, we also can testify. We can also let people know who Jesus is. If you're a Christ follower, then any kind of hardship you go through is going to put a spotlight on your faith. People are watching you if you claim to be a Christian. The world is watching to see how we as Christians react to trouble. Paul was faithful through all of his struggles, and because of that, he was able to minister to so many people. And we are called to be different from the rest of the world. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 says, Dear friends, I urge you, 
as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. See, what Peter is telling us is that we need to be so different that even when someone accuses us of doing wrong, they will see the good that we do and that Christ is exalted above all. We have a responsibility as Christ followers to share our faith with those who don't know him. And I get it. It is hard to share your faith when you're going through struggles. It is hard to share your faith when you're having a tough time and things at home aren't going well or at work or money issues or whatever it is. And a lot of times we kind of feel like maybe we're, we're, we're just barely hanging on, like we can just barely, like a kid hanging on to monkey bars that just is only that far off the ground, just won't let go. You ever had a, I have boys and sometimes we're at the, the, uh, uh, the playground and they, they, they always, my, our youngest always tends to hang there and then realize that, oh no, I don't like this. <laughs> and, 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 you know, we just, we hang on for dear life and sometimes we feel like we're hanging on for dear life and maybe you've been going through hurt and you're desperately trying to pull yourself up and resolve the situation on your own. And maybe you've reached out to others and, and that hasn't worked and they couldn't help you. Maybe it's time just to release yourself and trust that God is gonna provide for you, that he has your back, that he's gonna catch you. I guarantee you, we have a savior who doesn't want us to feel pain. He wants to comfort us. He wants to, to hold us in his arms. His comfort is available to you today. It's the promise of Jesus. When you surrender to the Savior, he will pick you up when you fall, he will soothe you when you hurt, and he will strengthen you when you're suffering. I guarantee it. See, God wants, us to, God wants to call you alongside of him. He wants you to, to be alongside of him, and he wants to comfort you. And he wants you to comfort others. He wants you to be a part of his kingdom. No matter where you're at or what, you're, what you've been through, what you're going through at this moment, he wants you to be a part of his kingdom. And he loves you so much. We just have to accept it. We just have to, 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 to let go of all those things and realize that God loves us and he has a plan for us. And he, he wants us to be with him so bad. He wants us to be a part of his kingdom so bad. He loves you. No matter where you're at, he loves you today. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this time of, uh, of worship that we get to, to learn more about you and that we get to be a part, that we get to come together as part of your kingdom. And Father, I just ask now that you would be with every heart that's here, be with every, no matter where we're at, whether we're watching online or with a group of people or, or in person, Father, I just ask that you, your love and your comfort, that we would accept your comfort and that, you, and that we would take it and, and, and help others. In your name we pray, amen.